In this podcast, we visit the friendly people of Thailand in their capital city of Bangkok, a city where you get a great welcome, great value, great sightseeing, and if you really want, you get an unusual show featuring ping pong balls. Hello, I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travelers, the global travel destination podcast. My travel reviews and recommendations, based on the first-hand experiences I gain from the up to two to three times a month I travel all over the world. To find out more, you can visit the website at tipsfortravelers.com or mytravelreviews.com, where you'll find links, show notes, how to subscribe. Individual episodes and many photo and video galleries. It's now time for this episode of Tips for Travelers. The airport in Bangkok is big. Well, actually, more than big. It's massive. Huge, long runways and two terminal buildings. Where the international one seems to stretch on and on and on, I remembered this as I came into land, noticing again that neatly sprawling between the runways is a whole golf course. Yes, a whole golf course, seemingly packed with diligent golfers who are merrily playing on the lush green course, despite the constant stream of thunderingly loud jumbo jets and other large planes landing and taking off. Perhaps the golf course targets golfers hard of hearing, or it's for unsociable players, as I assume they need to wear earplugs. But maybe they're just determined and hardy players. But back to the terminal. As we pulled up to the stand, I remembered the very long walk myself and some colleagues had faced when changing planes in Bangkok from a flight coming in from China to change to one heading back home. So be prepared for a good deal of walking. Although unlike some airports like Heathrow, JFK, and others, the passageways are large and wide, and despite the multitudes of people always milling around the terminal, it doesn't feel too cramped. Immigration officials are uncharacteristically un-Thai. By that I mean they seem to follow the universal global approach used by immigration officers everywhere, offhand, slightly cold, with a knack of making you feel like you've done something wrong. I say uncharacteristically Thai, as Thai people are gentle, warm, welcoming, and phenomenally hospitable. Starting with the clasped hands, almost like a prayer, and the nodded head greeting, which itself is an almost submissive gesture, it means your first interaction with any Thai is a soft, warm, and personal one. I've been to Thailand four times now. Well, in reality, Bangkok, as I haven't had the fortune to explore more of this fantastic country yet. And the one thing I always feel by there and on leaving is that Thailand has the most incredible culture of warmness in its people. I can barely imagine them arguing, let alone engaging in battles, but either way, service and help is a massive joy in Thailand. And it's something that deservedly helps attract so many visitors to this country. And talking of visitors, they do seem to get a lot. I've already spoken about how huge the airport is with its many gates, and it seems that most international flights leave late in the evening, around about the midnight hours, to get them into Europe, Australia, and likewise even 
like Japan, in the early morning. There is, as a result, humongously huge, bizarre traffic jams in the surrounding area of the airport as you shuffle in slowly uh, in your taxi or car. I'm not sure if there's public transport like a train to the airport, but one is sorely needed, as the airport is constantly and utterly jammed. Saying that, traffic in Bangkok everywhere is a problem. Depending on where you need to go and at what time, it can take you simply ages. There is the new SkyTrain and overground commuter train built fairly high up above the busy streets in the centre of the city, around some of the busy malls, hotels and office areas. But cars, taxis, little tuk-tuks and other vehicles are scampering around, completely clogging up traffic everywhere you go in Bangkok. It almost feels like no one actually walks, certainly no one that you barely see walks on pavements. And certainly in the central area of Bangkok, it seems to be, on the sidewalks, incredibly quiet. Partly because the central area is where the SkyTrain has come into place and the walkways are built high above the streets where commuters actually can walk, saving having to cross the busy pathways, streets and intersections. Another thing about Bangkok is that as a foreign visitor from a country like the UK, US or Europe, it's an incredibly inexpensive place to visit. Rooms at large luxury hotels, including the very luxurious chains, are incredibly reasonable once converted into local currency. And even the luxury chains themselves, though, are better in Thailand than any of where else in their home country. For example, the week before this trip to Bangkok, I'd been staying at the typical US Hyatt in Princeton. The next day, well, after a day-long trek, I was checking into the Hyatt Bangkok. And who would have guessed it was the same brand? The Hyatt Bangkok has sweeping grand entrances, a large atrium of great beauty, fabulous, fabulous rooms with views across a race course. Uh, also with a golf course bizarrely in the middle. I'm not sure what it is about putting golf courses in the middle of other venues in Bangkok. But anyway, I guess it, perhaps it means golfers, or certainly Bangkokers, or whatever the right term is, are very efficient at using space. To compare the, just how much the hotels are different, take a look at tipsfortravelers.com and look in the hotel video section. Look at the two rooms. Look at the Bangkok room, which costs about 25% less than the US room, and look at the US room. Admittedly, the room you see on the side there is even better, as when I checked in at my hotel in Bangkok, I was upgraded to a suite. But the bedroom itself was, was very similar in size to other colleagues on the trip had. Food in Thailand is fantastic, and... Not at all like Thai restaurants I've been to in London or in the US. One thing that disappointed me when I visited China was I found the food in restaurants was pretty much the same as Chinese restaurants in London. But Thai food in Thailand is not. It's much spicier. It's much more varied and incredibly, incredibly tasty. And it's very sociable with the wave after wave of dishes being put in front of you at every meal. So... The thing I did notice is that Thais usually up front order coconut milk or a smoothie or something nice and cooling um, to help, uh, I guess, calm down and help that food digest down just a little bit easier because it is pretty spicy, but oh so good. And the other thing that's interesting, you never seem to see a plump or fat person in Thailand, so perhaps it's also pretty good healthy fare. Shopping is also a real treat in Bangkok, from plush malls in central Bangkok, chock full of every designer name and elegant malls with sofas and smart restaurants, to the chaotic and teeming night markets with traders, shops and every kind of imaginable product, both uh, real and fake, that you can find. 
So, this is Bangkok, an incredible, incredible city, teeming and packed and bustling. So, what are my tips for travellers about the things to do if you're there in Bangkok? The one thing about Bangkok is there are an incredible amount of great sights to see. So, what I'm going to do is tell you just a handful of the sites that I'd strongly recommend. On the show notes, I've got a couple of links to sites like tourismthailand.org, tripadvisor.com, asiatraveltips.com, and into-asia.com, because these sites themselves also have a huge amount of detail on things to see. But let me tell you about the actual sites that I would recommend you go and visit. The number one site to visit is the Grand Palace, and that would be my number one tip. And on the show notes, you'll find a link to the site, which is palaces.thai.net. Now, the Grand Palace is actually an area of about 218,000 or so square meters, and it's surrounded by walls that were built in 1782. The length of the walls, the four walls that that encloses this area, is 1,900 meters. But within these walls are government offices and the chapel Chapel Royal of the Admiral uh, Buddha, as well as the royal residences of Bangkok. Now, just north of the royal residence of the um, Mahamonthian, there's a connecting gate, and through that gate is the chapel royal of the Emerald Buddha. Now, the Emerald Buddha itself is carved from a block of jade, and it's an object of, of, of great um, veneration, of great respect, and a lot of crowds, um, local Thai crowds, will come and pay respect to the memory of the Buddha and his teachings on the days when it's open to the public. So make sure you find out when that is. But within this whole complex of the Grand Palace, there's many, many buildings and different, lots of different styles, which is, as the architecture has evolved over the various reigns of the kings, etc. Oh, but most of them have a very um, Thai feel to them as a certain tile, Thai architecture, which you recognize within a short while of being in Bangkok. And so what you really see is it's really around the, the, the detail, construction materials, like, and, and so it's very amazing. The Grand Palace is, if there's only one thing you do in terms of sightseeing, the Grand Palace is the place to go. My second tip is make sure you do go and look at the Temple of the Reclining Buddha, Wat Po. And again, on the show notes, I have a link to some pictures of that. Now, the Temple of the, of the Reclining Buddha is one of the oldest and largest temples in Bangkok. And this Buddha, why is it called Reclining Buddha? Well, because he is. And it measures 150 feet in length. It's, I think it's the largest Buddha in Thailand. And you will find right across Thailand and Bangkok, many, many Buddhas um, all over the place, including small um, Buddha uh, little areas in the city, in the center of the city, you'll find little Buddhas, like near the hotel where I was staying, there was a, a Buddha there where people would go and, and, and kind of um, uh, celebrate and, and pay respects. Now, just behind this, this, this very opulent temple of the Emerald Buddha is Wat Pra Chetapon which is better known as Wat Po. Now, most Western tourists, I believe, never get past the temple's big reclining Buddha, but there is actually much more to see than just the the statue itself, which is absolutely huge. So it's worth wandering all around that area. The temple is actually older than Bangkok itself. It was founded in the 17th century, and it is the oldest temple in Bangkok as well. And the name Wat Po comes from its original name, um, which I'll try and pronounce again, which is Wat Potaram. And King Rama I, the founder of Bangkok itself, enlarged the temple, installed many of the statues and artifacts and that kind of stuff, and really expanded the whole area. But that's my tip number two. You've got to go and see the temple of the reclining Buddha. 
The third one is that I would encourage you to go to, which would be my tip number three in terms of sightseeing, is Wat Aron, W-A-T-A-R-U-N, or better known as the Temple of Dawn. Now, this temple is probably the most famous and most photographed temple in Bangkok, apparently, if you talk to, if you look through the guides and you talk to the various um, tour guides, etc. The reason being, it's it's got a 70-meter-high spire, and it's decorated with tiny pieces of colored glass and Chinese porcelain, and it's, it's, it is, without a shadow of doubt, the best-known landmark. It's on the west bank of the river of the Chao Praia River in an area called Ton Buri. You're not going to remember any of these names, but it is all in the show notes. And because of these names are quite unusual for certainly Western visitors, I've, I, in the show notes I've got quite a lot of detail. Now, it's actually best seen from the opposite bank of the river. It glistens um, in sunlight. It's really quite remarkable. And at night it's quite dark, um, but during the day it's just quite magical um, around that whole area. Now, there's, a, there's a, the whole monastery complex surrounding the towers, which is also worth having having a look at. Um, but the best part is, 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 is this Temple of Dawn, that's, but there's also little narrow lanes and there's little white buildings and shrines and there's actually pools of turtles and, and various other bits and pieces um, around there. Now, those of you who may have seen documentaries or things of Thailand may recognize the Wat Oran figures because one of Thailand's big festivals, big colorful festivals, which is the Royal Todd Katin, and this is when His Majesty the King travels down the river in a procession of royal barges and presents new robes to the monks after their three-month Lent period. So that's that's just quite magical. So the fourth tip in terms of sightseeing, because there's piles of stuff to see, so I'm trying to narrow this down, is a thing called the Vimenek Mansion or the Vimenek Palace. And again, there's a very good site, which is palaces.thai.net that I mentioned earlier, which has lots of pictures and history of all the various palaces. And you can go and look, because I'm only recommending two of them really here, the Grand Palace and the, the Vimenek, but you'll see some others if you look at that site. This palace was built by King Rama V, and it's actually a huge teak structure and and i think it's the largest teak structure in the world and it has a combination of victorian and thai architecture so it's, so it's quite unusual and the reason for that is king rama v um, when he came back from europe in 1897 used his own money to purchase various orchards and paddy fields in this area which to construct a royal garden and he called the garden the Dusit garden you can still go and look at the gardens um, but in terms of the residence in the Dusit gardens was this Viminic, um mansion it was built in 1900 um, at the command of King Rama V. And it, it, in fact, what it was, it was his former summer palace. Now, I'm never going to pronounce it, but it was in the show notes, um, but this very long name beginning with Munchala and ending with Roj. And this is, it was dismantled and rebuilt under the supervision of, of the prince. And it was opened in 1901, and he moved in there, but it was only there for five years, um, or, or about five, six years before he died. And it became deserted after that and the royal, when the royal family moved back to the Grand Palace. It's got two big right-angled wings, and the um, wings are about 60 metres long, 20 metres high, and it's, and it's just quite a remarkable building. And you can now go through this 31 exhibition rooms, and you can look at the bedrooms, audience chamber, bathrooms, artwork, silverware display, ceramic, glassware, ivory, all that kind of stuff. The fifth tip is to visit the Bangkok National Museum, and you can find a link for that at thailandmuseum.com. Now, this museum is considered to be one of the largest in Southeast Asia. It has a huge collection of antiquities, which range from prehistoric art, murals, exhibits from other Asian countries. And what's quite interesting is some cere ceremonial carriages used by 
the royal families. The museum dates back right to 1874 when King Rama V opened the first public museum to exhibit a royal collection of his uh, predecessor and various other bits and pieces. Um, and that was done at the Concordia Pavilion inside the uh, palace and then eventually it was transferred to its present site uh, which is called Palace of the Front. And it eventually in 1926 was renamed the Bangkok Museum and it's become since the National Museum of Bangkok. And it has some amazing stuff in there and it really is, it's quite old-fashioned. Um, but the good news about it, it's also very close to the Grand Palace so it's, it's quite easy to, to find. The sixth thing is the Temple of the Golden Buddha. Now, this has kind of a mixed view about whether it's worth seeing, but it is one of the most known, best-known things in Bangkok and one of the best-known Buddhas after the Emerald One. And it's very revered. It's in a temple which, as I said, it, it has the golden image Buddha. And this is made of solid gold and weighs about five and a half tons. So it's one of those things that you kind of have to see. Now, I mentioned earlier in the opening that Bangkok is quite a busy, manic sort of place with lots of traffic and lots of bustling. So tip number seven is if you're looking for a bit of peace and quiet, there's a very nice park called Lumpini Park, L-U-M-P-I-N-I -I Park. And this is like a real green oasis amongst this whole cement jungle that's Bangkok. Um, and it's kind of like Central Park, really, in New York. It's very large. It doesn't allow motorized vehicles. And it's large enough that you kind of, the sound and noise and exhaust of the surrounding streets is kind of muffled. So it's got trees, you know, it's got a little lake, it's got creeks, little bridges, etc. And quite nearby, <clears throat> I think also I'm right in saying there's, there's, a, there's a night market um, nearby. And talking about night markets, I just want to talk about the eighth tip. Probably one of the most infamous or famous parts of Bangkok is an area called Pat Pong. And in the evening, it's it's now a marketplace and it has lots of souvenirs. It also has lots of fake brand name items and cheap goods. But also in the Pat Pong area is Bangkok's infamous adult entertainment area, Red Light, whatever you want to call it. And this is where you'll find the very famous ping pong bars where they do not play table tennis. Um, and you'll find hostess bars both for heterosexual and for gay and it is um it's quite strange those of you who've been to Amsterdam Amsterdam has an almost sleazy element to it whereas in Bangkok it's very in your face and very upfront so it is worth a visit it's obviously targeted primarily to men although in many of the bars women are are able to go but do watch out because you can end up um uh, getting ripped off slightly as regards drinks and things. If you go there, you hear lots of stories stories about that. Um, but it's a very bustling, lively area, and it is worth at least having a look. It's certainly not for kids, um, but it is worth having a look at Pat Pong Night Market, so you can pick up your, your fake um, brand item and, and have a look at, at some of the interesting bars. Of course, Bangkok is famous for things like ladyboys um, and all sorts of um, unusual interests are catered for and on the um on the show notes i've got a couple of links to a little bit more about pat pong now i've been talking a little bit earlier and through this whole thing about just how busy and bustling bangkok is bangkok is probably it's fair to say not one of the most attractive cities in asia and it does feel quite concrete like and the buildings are quite concrete like but it is very rambling and very large and very big and up until the introduction of the sky train which opened in december 1999 it was particularly bad to get around Bangkok. Now they have the SkyTrain which I've referred to and you actually see a couple of pictures if you go to tipsfortravel.com sorry tipsfortravelers.com or mytravelreviews.com and you either look on the photo galleries or even if you take a look at the video galleries you'll see some pictures of some of the SkyTrain tracks. As I mentioned it was opened by the King in December 1999 and it ch overnight it changed life for millions of commuters. It's very clean, 
it's very fast, it's very efficient, and it's pretty cheap. And, you know, in some some areas, a trip between two busy commercial centers like Ceylon, which is a big commercial center, and Sira Wangis, it could have taken at least an hour or longer. Now it takes you know, minutes. And you literally, because it's built up above the streets, you can, you, you're almost rooftop level, and they have kiosk shops, and you do everything from coffee to cell phones. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, they have these little walkways. Um, so it's quite bizarre because you almost have... Um, this whole other thing going on, which is sort of up in the air. But it's, it, it also is interesting as a tourist because parts of the line are open, parts that you may not have gone to, like um, up in the north is the Chachachuk Market, um, which is a very big bazaar, um, which has lots of, uh, you know, lots of local people used to go to. So that's the ninth tip, is, is, is really around getting around. The other thing which is well worth trying is what are called tuk-tuks, which are these little sort of scooters with seats at the back, um, and they go scootling around and herring around parts of Bangkok, and you literally kind of do have to hang on for your life. And that's one way of zooming around, and a lot of tourists do that, so it tends to be more in the tourist areas. There's also taxis. Now, taxis are pretty reliable, relatively inexpensive. And what happens if you get a taxi normally at a hotel, they'll give you a little card, which is quite helpful, which talks about which, which cab you've got, um, and so if you leave anything in the cab. And also they make sure that the, the driver switches on his meter etc they also have little scooter taxis which i definitely didn't want to try with a guy on a scooter zooms you through all the all the traffic so tip number number nine in terms of getting around is try and use a sky train if you can because it'll certainly cut down a lot of your travel time but try the tuk-tuk if nothing else for the experience and um, if you get taxis they are relatively expensive make sure that you perhaps collect them or pick them up at um the outside of a hotel or something, and they make sure the guy switches on his meter. In terms of the last tip, tip number 10, Bangkok is, is famous for shopping. I mentioned the importance of the exchange rate, and it is a relatively expensive place to stay. Um, a lot of people get roped into this idea where you have suits and things made, and it's a huge, big business where you go to these kind of um, sort of warehouses thing, and they measure you up. It takes quite a long time to measure up patterns, and then theoretically you buy one suit, whether it's uh, for ladies or jackets or suits for gentlemen, and the way they make their money is they commit you to buy two or three or four or whatever. They are very nicely made, but they, you don't necessarily end up saving that much. So I would kind of avoid, uh, advise you to avoid that. Visit a night market. Now, you, the Pat Pong night market may be a little bit too saucy and racy for you, but there are another uh, a number of other night markets, and ask your concierge, which is closest to where you're staying. And it's also worth visiting the glitzy malls, particularly in the, a lot of where the big hotels are, like the Grand Hyatt, Erewhon, where I was staying, and, and those kind of things. Some very big glitzy malls there with very nice shops, everything from Louis Vuitton to Armani and all those kind of things. They do seem to be pretty expensive, though, even when you convert. So probably it's 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 not really worth buying something, but they are very nice and well worth visiting. So that then is the tips for travellers for Bangkok. It's a really, really nice place to stay because of the exchange rate. As I mentioned, you can probably stay in a much nicer hotel than you would normally expect to when travelling, no matter what your budget is, and that's that's really worth looking at. Um, the things to see, there's a lot of things to see, and you'll see on some of the show notes, as I mentioned, like Tourism Thailand, TripAdvisor.com, AsiaTravelTips.com, uh, Into-Asia.com. You'll find there's a humongous amount of things to do in places like Bangkok. You can easily spend quite a few days there. Um, and, and without getting bored at all. But the main things I would recommend you see is the Grand Palace Complex. The second thing is the Temple of the Reclining Buddha. The third thing is the Temple of the Dawn, which is probably one of the best-known landmarks. The fourth thing is the Zimanek Mansion or Palace. The fifth thing is the Bangkok National Museum. The sixth is the Temple of the Golden Buddha. The seventh is, is escape to a Lumpini Park and just relax and chill out there. I, do, I would recommend you go to the Pat Pong Night Market. 
um, leave the kids behind. And um, although it's kind of, it, it's, you know, I mean, it's quite safe to go there, so don't worry too much about that. Uh, in in, in uh, Just, you know, make sure you don't get ripped off. And the last two things are really in terms of getting out and about. Use the SkyTrain if you can, because you'll find that relatively cheap, quite easy to get around, very clean, very nice. Try the tuk-tuk if you're a little bit brave. And taxis, again, are, are relatively inexpensive. In terms of shopping, do try night markets um, and um, try and avoid the home tailors. So that's Bangkok. You've been listening to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination Podcast with Gary Bembridge. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com, where travellers is spelt with two L's, or mytravelreviews.com. Please email any questions or comments to gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. That's gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. To subscribe to the podcast, search for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or Yahoo. Why not also listen to and subscribe to the Travel Legends and Icons podcast by Gary Bembridge. Travel Legends and Icons tells the stories behind the most popular and enduring forms of travel over the ages. Podcasts include features on Air Force One, the Channel Tunnel, Titanic, Concord, and more. Search for Travel Legends and Icons on iTunes or Yahoo Podcasts, visit tipsfortravelers.com, or email gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk.